back-to-back podcast. It is Thursday, and that means Nerder She Wrote. I'm your host, Dave DeFore, and this week I've got special guests uh, from The Athletic, Sam Amick and Joe Varden. Uh, guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to the back-to-back podcast, and uh, feel free to welcome us to The Athletic. <laughs> Welcome to sure, the well, Dave. Thanks, thanks. No one's ever called me special before, so I appreciate that. Well, you're only special this week. So like if when you're back next week, uh, you don't get any of that treatment. You're going to have to do the intro. We're going to make you guys work. Well, all I can tell you is we've already been on the phone for a half hour teaching Sam how to plug <laughs> in his microphone. And I am Listen, now hungry and need to shave again. So, Joe, this is a professional podcast. We have to act like we didn't just spend 35 minutes talking to each other about what we're going to talk about. That's that. That's the rule. I just got a visual of Joe trying to eat while shaving, which is going to be tricky. Don't try that, buddy. Do you have to use, I think for that, you have to use like an electric shaver instead of like shaving cream. That's fair. Like, yeah. You know, shaving cream, you, like falling on pizza. That's, that's a visual I don't want to see. It's also, it'll, I'll be eating, it'll be a pork chop, which I guess I'll have to eat <laughs> holding the bone uh, leftovers from the How Maverick uh, Texas uh, brasserie uh, in San Antonio last night. So Hey, that's a Should great get- restaurant, actually. Like, I love that spot. Yeah, I, you know, it's amazing that I'm here in town in San Antonio and you didn't invite me out for any kind of drink or, or dinner. But, oh. but yes, I did enjoy that. <laughs> I had to work last night. I had to do the daily ding, which you guys that are listening should all, you know, subscribe, rate and review the daily ding wherever you listen to podcasts. But yeah, I I was doing the ding last night. So I was at home, you know, locked in a, in a room watching basketball. Ah, I see. Well, I ordered for both of us and ate for both of us. So it should be good. There you go. Ding. I like how that sounds. Is that what you tell everybody when you're busy? I'm doing the ding. I'm doing the ding. Yeah. And, (laughs) and you know, it's funny, like how we've got our own little language in our group chat. When we talk about the ding, um, it's, it's very interesting. April 8th, Dave. That's right. That's the date. We, uh, we transition to subscription only. Uh, don't forget guys, you can subscribe to the athletic using our promo code, Go to theathletic.com slash dings, save 40% off, comes out to about three bucks a month. It's a, it's a really good deal. And, and you know, one of the things I want to talk about with, with Sam and Joe and Jade, I'm, I'm assuming is, uh, why the athletic is so good for basketball. It is again, I don't know how you can follow the sport without a subscription to the athletic. Um, you have people like Sam Amick, you have you know, you're Joe Vardens, you have Ethan Strauss, Zach Harper, you, you literally have everyone on the roster. Um, but also, I mean, for, for you guys, I'll start with Sam, you know, you, you're an experienced guy. People know who you are. Um, how has this experience covering basketball for the athletic differed from, from your other stops? It's been great. I keep using the word freedom, and it, I think it just hits it on the head. It's my word. So come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Yeah, I mean, it's that part has been huge. It's been liberating um, our industry, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but everybody kind of knows the backdrop here of, I think, a lot of the the forces within the industry that they kind of spawned the athletic and, and really, you know, from our CEOs who created it being sports fans, who 
got a little fed up with the way the industry was going and, and kind of wanted to make sure there was a, a platform that had the more substantive coverage. Uh, and so the freedom has been great. There's so many stories that I've written at this job that would have been trickier to write at my previous stops. And, and part of that is because, you know, there's, there's a, a, a extremely high trust level um, and they go out and hire people who know what they're doing and kind of empower them to do that. But then there's a savvy reader who has made the choice that I don't think any of us take lightly to, you know, get off their wallet and pay a certain amount every month to enjoy this coverage. And with that comes the, uh, the understanding that it's like, these are hardcore fans who can never get enough, you know, and, and yesterday, and I know we'll talk about it, but it's a good example where, you know, the story about Jordan Bell and why he got suspended by the Warriors is one of those where at different times in my career, like, I don't know, maybe I don't dig that much on that story and, and question whether or not anybody cares about why Jordan Bell got suspended, but there's a, an appetite for our audience there. The fun part for me has been, you, you feel like this sense of obligation to try to make them, you know, look at their bills every month and say, no, I still feel good about, about what those guys are doing. And I want to be part of it. Yeah. I've been a subscriber for a long time, uh, before, you know, I joined the athletic and uh, I firmly believe it's some of the best money I've spent. And I also believe in spending money on stuff that I enjoy. I, I don't, I don't think anything in life is free. And, you know, we listen to a lot of podcasts and, and we read all these things on the internet. And I think we, as a culture, we've kind of gotten accustomed to the idea that it's free. Well, it's not free. You've got ads, you've got, you know, we've got ads cause we've got bills to pay and things like that. And I'd at least, I, I love the idea of having it be upfront. Like we know the deal when we sign up for the athletic and we pay for the year, like going into it, I know what the agreement is. There are no, no ads. It's a very clean, like it's, it's easy to read. It's like reading a newspaper. It looks great on the iPad and stuff like that. This sounds like a pitch for the athletic. I already did that. It this is. is just really how I feel. I mean, but this yeah. is really how I feel about it, Yeah, yeah. which is why Jade, Jade and I, when we, when we do the ad reads for the athletic, like I'm just telling you like the truth, like how I really feel about it. And Joe, like, you know, you've cut, co you covered LeBron for the last mm -hmm. few years and, and, and now you're covering the Cavs. Um, but the entire league and like the flexibility that the athletic has kind of allowed, you know, you get a chance to be exposed to a new audience, right? When you, when you think about the NBA, it's the league that garners probably the most interest, uh, away from the court as it does on the court. When you compare why people are so into football or, or the people who like baseball, why they like it for the NBA, it's as much about. The trades and the trade rumors and the running up hotel bills on assistant coaches. It's 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 the things that happen away from the game. And at the athletic, what are we doing? We're asking you to pay for content because it's content that you can't get anywhere else. So you for me, I, I like to kind of marry those two those two principles. The idea that people are interested in this sport for what happens away from it as much as what happens in it. And at The Athletic, you have the time and, as Sam said, the freedom to pursue and tell those stories. Um, the, the, the story that I've done so far at The Athletic, probably the two or two, two of the three that, that has done the best, one was about the breakup in Cleveland uh, with where Kyrie was traded and how LeBron felt about that and how the trade went down and LeBron's feelings on it. And the story is just 
it's top to bottom with with things that we didn't know about the the morning that LeBron was out in California signing jerseys for Upper Deck when um, he was put on the phone with the Cavs general manager and kind of one last plead to not do this deal. And then uh, another one was with again with with LeBron at his school in in Akron. He's actually created a public school and. I don't even think I can't remember, but I don't even think LeBron's quoted in the school. I just went to the building. I went to the school and spent a day there. And you can do that at a newspaper. Certainly, uh, we, Sam and I both come from newspapers. We love them. You can do it at Bleacher Report. It's fine. But it, but it's just it's the kind of story that makes the athletic what it is. So we're here looking for things beyond pick and roll coverage and beyond uh, three point percentage at the athletic anyway. And the NBA is just ripe for that. So I just think it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great way to cover the league. Yeah. One of the things that I've picked up on in all my conversations with the, with the NBA editors talking about pieces to write is don't force it. And, And I love that idea that they, you know, Certainly it is a business and you want people to subscribe and you want people to read and you, you know, you, you want to get eyeballs on the stuff, but that's not the primary focus. They assume people will be happy paying and reading good stuff. So they focus on, Hey, we want quality over quantity. Like let's, let's try to tap into the zeitgeist, so to speak, instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and, and, you know, getting eyeballs that way. They don't care for the birdshot approach. Uh, it's funny that you brought up you know, how, how much of the NBA coverage winds up being stuff off the court. We actually talked about that on basketball buds on Tuesday. And so good synergy there already, um, (laughs) where, you know, this is a, this is a player driven league. It's not, you know, the, the fans don't necessarily follow it for the game. Like the game is, is fun, but the stuff with all the players is really where, where like the money is right, Sam. Yeah, I mean, people are fascinated by these these players as people. And to be honest, this season, I think more than ever in my years covering the league and, you know, not to date myself, but you're talking 2004, I first started doing hoops. Um, I, I feel like there's a kind of a, a, a clashing between the level of interest from the fans and, and what we are responding to and the fact that the players themselves, you know, Kevin Durant being kind of the poster boy for this and Kyrie being frustrated by that level of interest. And that's a catch 22 because, you know, a lot of the, the revenue streams that have just absolutely taken off in the league over the last couple of years, it has everything to do with the, the NBA's ability to tap into the mainstream public, you know, and not just the basketball fans. And with that comes, I think, you know, the daily reca- uh, recalibrating on the media side of like, what's the best, most entertaining, interesting, most responsible way to cover the league. Cause we got to meet in the middle and you're almost looking at these players going, listen, I hear you. I know that on the one hand, you're, you're you're fatigued by the interest and the fact that, you know, Jordan Bell, for example, again, like that people care why you got suspended. But, you know, you're also not complaining when those checks come in and they're a lot bigger than they would have been 10 years ago because of the growth of the league. And, and that's just a fascinating kind of dynamic to me. And, and I think, again, I use that word responsible. We're trying to to just tell good stories and to give the readers what they want, but certainly not go into, you know, areas that, that some kind of lower level media outlets might, um, and while doing it, we got to have respect to the people we cover, uh, respect to the readers and, and, you know, strike that balance. But you know, the, the interest is just off the charts. Yeah. And I want to talk about the, the podcast role in that. Um, but don't forget guys, 
theathletic.com slash dings, 40% off at the athletic April 8th is, is when we're going over. So make sure you sign up before then. Um, but the, the podcast, it seems like everyone has a podcast, right? I mean, every, I mean, even Dan Gilbert has a podcast now, which is, you know, very I saw interesting. That tweet. Is he, who did he interview the other day? It was an Mark owner. Cuban. Mark gotcha. Cuban. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, is, I think it's sponsored by Quicken Loans, which is, you know, that's great. Um, but podcasting is just so important as a companion to any written stuff or any video stuff. I mean, podcasting, I, I'm not going to say it's replacing radio, but it certainly is. It's on its corner. And uh, I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I listened to sports radio, but I listen to podcasts all the time. I mean, this is how I you know, stay up on like when I want detail on a team. I go find the best team podcast that, you know, that covers that, that squad, uh, Joe in particular, how, how do you feel like the, the podcasting angle is going to add to your coverage? So I have a few things to say about this. And then the, the, the first one is doing this, doing podcasts, doing podcasts for the athletic as I transition, you mentioned, as I transition into a, a broader role here with the, with the company, it will make me a better reporter. It's going to make me call and text and, and talk to people around the league that, you know, you might not get to if you're just on a beat. And so uh, as I try to start looking at the league from a broader perspective, which I've been doing here for the last couple months, but do it even more. And I'm not focusing so much on one team. You know, I'm going to need to talk to more people throughout the league and to be able to come on this show and know what I'm talking about, uh, or or come on any podcast and know what I'm talking about. Like that's, that's how you do it is to talk to as many people as you can. But the other thing I wanted to say, because what you're talking about with podcasts and how everybody has one, but how it's, it's such a way to augment the coverage I was in LA a couple weeks ago, and I, I live in in a town called Bay Village, Ohio, which is about 15 minutes west of Cleveland, and it's a small community. And I, I go to a place, uh, I go to the to the one of two barber shops in town, and it's one of those places. Like it would be on the Andy Griffith sh- Griffith show, where you all go and and and. So Boy. one of the yeah, I mean one of the uh, one of the the barbers, his his son had just moved to L.A. and he he moved out there with no job really. Um, he was sleeping on his his neighbor's couch, and I said, yeah, I'd, I'd sit down with him, I'd meet with him, take him to lunch, just see how he's doing. And so I'm out there, and I we meet for lunch, and we're we're eating pizza, and he just starts talking about podcasts, and yeah, like. He's, he's an athletic subscriber. His dad's an athletic subscriber, but he didn't want to talk about what we were writing. He, that just wasn't on his mind. What was on his mind was, is the podcast, the things. And he, he actually listens to this one. Uh, he listens to several of them, but among them is this one. And it just struck me because, you know, I I listen to podcasts too, but not like that. I, I listen to them when I, when I can, and this this dude is 24 years old and he represents just a whole demographic of of NBA fan and this is where their interest is i mean th- when there's something good to read they're going to read it for sh- for sure that's why they're paying the money but it's the podcast where you can almost 
really kind of get behind that wall and, and get into the locker room, get into, you know, the, the conversations that Sam and I have with coaches and GMs and players on the floor before games, you can really, we can take you there on a podcast. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to get into this podcast game uh, from a national perspective is just to bring some of those conversations out, uh, into the public so you can hear what it's like. Can I, yeah, can I piggyback on that commentary? Go ahead. Yeah. Because, Joe, that was well said. I think, and this is to put it bluntly in my experience, and, and I had a pod at my old job at USA Today and enjoyed the heck out of it. Podcasting, in my experience, it's not that it's it's not easy by any means. And, Jay, don't get mad at me. There's an art to it. Jay does a wonderful job. And, Dave, you kill it. But it's a different exercise. It's a hell of a lot easier, I think, for the, the reporter to pull the curtain back, tell stories, talk about the league, get into stuff on this platform, then it like writing, do I enjoy it? hundred percent. Writing's hard at different times. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to get the level of content and depth and commentary that you could potentially give somebody in one podcast to put that in some sort of, you know, kind of digestible written form on our platform is certainly not impossible. We do it all the time, but it's not as easy. And the thing I love about the pod side of things is you can get loose and you can, you know, right. you're always in, in real time, you're, you're always filtering. What am I going to share? What am I not going to share? But there, the, the longer I do this, the more I do kind of just embrace the fact that sports fans are not only intensely interested in the players themselves, they find our business really interesting and we are lucky to be in it. And you try to not lose that part, the, the humility aspect of like these jobs are tough to get and, uh, and kind of bring the reader and the fan into your weird little universe because it is like, it's weird. It's a trip. And there's, there's just, there's stuff that in the old days, I think never got talked about publicly that, you know, podcasting gives you a new Avenue. So I think for me, that's the fun part. This was either my first or second year on the beat and the Cavs had played in Chicago. It was a Sunday game. So the flight home was on a Monday and it was at the end of a long trip for the Cavs. And I trudged back to the back of the plane. It was a United flight home, and I had on my uniform, uh, which is jeans that had been worn three times and a hoodie that, that probably had some mustard on it and, uh, you know, dark circles under my eyes. And I also I had a cold uh, as well, and I felt really bad who was ever going to have to sit next to me on this flight. So I plopped down in my seat, and, of course, the guy next to me is just in a three-piece suit pristine Mark Stein and I'm I'm just counting down the seconds until I can yeah I'm counting down the seconds till I can fall asleep and after about three minutes he goes excuse me sir but are are you are you Joe Varden from from cleveland.com and I'm like oh god uh yeah uh what yes yes I am I'm sorry whatever I did I'm sorry he's like no 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 I I, I love your I love your coverage I love your stuff and so we, we start talking about basketball and, and talking about LeBron and, and whatever was going on at the time. I think the Bulls were still good at this at this point. And, and, and I, the, the conversation eventually, eventually turned to what it is that he does. And as it turned out, he was a hospital consultant where he was paid well into the six figures to go to places like the Cleveland Clinic and Johns Hopkins and, and Mount Sinai and wherever else and basically – help these doctors and these hospital executives with hiring and firing and marketing and, and how to explain their new drugs and, and all this stuff. 
um, super big time job. And that's how much he makes. And, and at the end of the conversation, he just looks at me and just says, man, I would do anything to have your job. And that's, that's why people subscribe to the athletic. That's why they want to listen to this podcast. And I really feel like, I mean, Sam and I have had a number of conversations about what we want to do. And I just feel like that's, that's what it is, is we want to bring this large audience of people who want want to see what we see and want to do what we do uh, and give them a real taste of what it's like. Yeah. I, I, I'll never forget being out with a bunch of friends and having someone recognize me the first time it happened. And this guy introduced me to his wife and she could not care less. She was just like, <laughs> Oh yeah, I know that voice Boss is married. <laughs> By the way, you got, Joe, you buried the lead on that barber story. You took out the barber's son. Well, yeah, I mean, this guy's amazing. Well, first of all, he's an athletic subscriber. You got to take care of your subscribers. <laughs> that's first, that's right. Well, Dinner on Joe. Did you pay? Yes. Uh, of course I did. Wow. Uh, I can't uh, wait. And, and secondly, I mean, his dad is, is, is basically holding my well-being in his hands. He's got the clippers. Yes. You know. Nice. I have move. hair flex, by the way, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, also, when you mentioned um, back to back, you didn't have to say among others. Just <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, before we get to the next topic, Jade, I understand yep. that we're doing a really cool fundraiser with the Golden State Warriors. We are. We are. This just came up this week, and uh, it's short notice, but I think that uh, our fans in the Bay might be interested, or people nearby. But listen, you can get some air- airline tickets and hotel if you if you decide to do this. The cause. The Warriors Community Foundation uh, is an official nonprofit wing of the Golden State Warriors, supports education and youth development to promote thriving students, schools, and communities, Dave. $8.4 million in grants supporting educational equality, over 75 refurbished basketball courts, creating a safe and clean place for kids to play basketball in low-income communities, 15 thousand donated tickets sharing the joy of excitement of the Warriors home games with local schools and nonprofits. The contest experience a once in a lifetime VIP opportunity to watch the very last regular season game ever at Oracle arena. The winner and a guest will watch the game from luxurious courtside seats at Oracle arena. That's dope. Additionally, the winner and guest will be treated to a weekend in the San Francisco Bay area or the Frisco area, <laughs> inclusive of round-trip airfare and hotel for two. Again, that's round-trip airfare and hotel for two and receive gift bags and authentic Warriors gear and probably get to meet some very famous people and, and probably players. Uh, this this is a very short notice, so you got to do it now. Sweepstakes closes April 1st. So enter at warriors.com forward slash VIP ticket sweeps. That's VIP ticket sweeps. VIP T-I-C-K-E-T-S-W-E-E-P-S. Um, so again, that's a, a super cool cause. Uh, I believe it's about 10 bucks to enter the, the raffle. And uh, who knows? You may win. So uh, good luck with that. That's really cool. Toward the end of the show, I want to get back to, you know, you guys and what you're going to be doing on the podcasting front. But 
Uh, Sam, you alluded to this story already. I, everyone is running wild with it. I mean, uh, NBA Twitter was fantastic late night last night. This was one of those nights. I was very happy to be up till 2 a.m. local time, you know, recording the ding because the jokes were flying. Um, so Jordan Bell apparently uh, was suspended for for a game, uh, conduct detrimental to the team. And uh, Sam, you got to break the story uh, as to why he was, uh, why he was suspended. Yeah. Yeah. It was myself and Anthony Slater was with the team in Memphis. Um, and so Jordan, you know, as you said, Dave, they announced the suspension. There's no, you know, as Joe knows, you know, there, there's no official rules to this job. And like, it's always a daily question of, all right, what stuff is fair game to, dig into report on and there's i mean listen we can, we'll talk about this type of stuff on our podcast all the time is you know there's there are limits to how we cover these guys there's stuff that i think is off limits but when a guy gets suspended on the back-to-back champions and they don't announce the reason for it and simply say conduct detrimental you know i think for us it kind of reached a point like all right we are hearing what happened here and uh this is you know something the readers and the fans would find interesting so let's go ahead and and, and do it so he was putting uh, in Memphis, he he essentially, I mean, we can all relate to this. You stay at a hotel, they take your credit card, you don't feel like going to the restaurant, and I don't know the specific items that he bought, but let's just, for the sake of the conversation, say food, drinks, whatever, and you, you know, you get room service, you put it on the room, and so the way it works for NBA teams, they get a daily per diem that's pretty steep, and certainly I think fans would be well within their right to say, like, all right, these guys already make a ton of money, then you get the per diem, and so Jordan had put um, some items or maybe one item. I, again, I don't know those specifics, but on the room of Warriors assistant coach, Mike Brown and Mike essentially. And, and, and again, to give you the framing of it, like it's your personal credit card on the room. And so whatever you charge to that room, that go, that's on you. And so Mike essentially looks at his bill is not, uh, he's just confused. Like I didn't buy this. I didn't buy that, whatever it was and kind of, you know, ends up, alerting the team and saying, we got a weird situation here. Um, I didn't write everything I had heard about the, the quote unquote investigation, because uh, you know, you, you always only go with what you have a hundred percent. I'll just say that like, sometimes I think <clears throat> we, uh, we gloss over the part in NBA circles where like they take investigations fairly seriously. So it actually, I think could be a fun athletic story at some point. Like how does this work? Because they then had to find out like who put this stuff on Mike Brown's room and, and to, in order to do that, they had to do some digging and they did the digging and they, you know, got conclusive reason to believe that it was Jordan. Um, and, and I do think also the context here matters. Jordan has had some ups and downs in his warriors tenure when it comes to things that don't reflect well on him from a maturity standpoint. And, and then specific to this, you know, thing that he did, um, there are, I guarantee you players and people in the NBA that, that probably think he's getting a raw deal and say, this is more on the prank side of things like this type of thing happens. But I think there's definitely a concern that he had done this with other people previously. And this just happened to be the time that he got caught. Um, and then again, I think, you know, he, he was just in a different place with this organization because it just hadn't gone all that well, but not what I expected to be doing yesterday. And, and I guess my last thought that again, the fun part of the podcast forum, we can bring people into our weird little lives. Like, this story's happening last night, guys. And and uh, Dave, I don't know. We're getting to know each other. Are you married? I am, yeah. Okay, so Joe's married. Jay's married. 
So yesterday was my wife's birthday. And today's my wife's birthday. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Happy birthday to Mrs. There, there you go. Um, so, so my wife's a science teacher. And so timing is everything. This whole thing is unfolding as we are sitting in an auditorium in downtown Sacramento, listening to uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, of all people. But then you'll say, what a difference that 1% makes. And I would say maybe that 1% DNA difference corresponds with an equally small difference in the intelligence between a chimp and human. Watching a, a lecture with you know 2,400 of our closest Imagine friends, my nine-year-old who's a science buff is, is over the moon listening to Neil, and I'm that guy you know sitting there on my phone texting the entire time trying to put this story to bed. Um, so you know we, we never turn it off, man. When stories it's are a very good show. It's a very yes. good show that you missed. No, I did. Uh, I, I was there. I, I was. I was kind of. You can compartmentalize. I was listening sure. to Neil. Yeah, but no, it was. It was quite a day. I'm just imagining yeah, go ahead. the the investigation. Uh, excuse me, sir. Are are you the one who took this order? Uh, well, well, yeah, 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 I am. And can can you tell me what the person looked like? Well, he's really tall and he's <laughs> African American and. He was wearing a number two warrior jersey. Oh, <laughs> yeah. How, I mean, what else do you have to do? So, I just, I, 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 I think this is safe to share. I think there was. I mean, listen, it, as we learned, it was really we learn every day. There's cameras everywhere, right? Right. So yes, like I think there was a camera component to the to the investigation. Yeah. I mean, at least he didn't throw any, you know, tortilla soup or anything. Hey. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Getting close to home there, you, you know. They, they uh, so the Cavs, because uh, like, like I said, I'm I'm here in San Antonio w- with the Cavs for a start of a long trip, and they they came off the bus this morning talking about Sam's story, laughing hysterically about this. Channing Fry says, "Oh, I'm definitely doing that." You know, he's got about two weeks left <laughs> in his NBA career, and Kevin Love was incredulous that that you would be suspended for this. Um, I don't think he quite realized that he uh, th- that this was not the first time that that Jordan had done it, but they loved it. They just they thought this was hysterical and trying to figure out what it was that you would have put on the room and um, you know. I so, mean that's well, fair. Like I I have I've heard of this happening in other situations where nothing in the team discovered it and nothing right. became of it. Like it's. I, I do think this is, you know, the context is is huge when it comes to this particular player. Yeah, he had that huge, you know, public blow up with with Kerr, which, you know, they, of course they say, you know, they got over it and his minutes have been up and down. And, you know, there, there's a component of this where there might be some frustration that he hasn't improved on the curve that they expected. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there must be more stuff off the court that we don't know about. Beyond just, you know, here's uh, the thing, ordering extra stuff to Mike Brown's room. Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, you could accuse us and me of not seeing I mean, like it would be great if we knew exactly what it was. The Warriors definitely did not want the details to come out at all about what he got suspended for. So it reaches a point at this job that you're only as good as your sources. So what he ordered would matter. Uh, And I think in general with the Warriors, I mean, listen, you guys know emotionally everything they've been through this year you're like kind of the rigors of of a three-peat attempt everything with Draymond and Kevin early on you know stuff that I guarantee you we don't even know about the mood for this team has been very tight all year long I think there's just very little tolerance for a a young guy who has like 
contributed a relatively small amount to their championship march, uh, a very small amount if you really break it down, and and then winds up requiring this kind of energy. I think that's all there is to it. Like you know, they don't have time for something like this. They need everything to be kind of straight and narrow right now. Yeah, and he's a restricted free agent this summer. Correct. It's just not a good look, uh, Joe. I mean, it, it, this is gonna is this gonna affect him this summer? Do you think the Warriors? This could be like a Pat McCaw situation where they're just like, you know, we don't really like this guy. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna make him sit and sweat. Well, I, I think teams do their homework, and if this was one a one off hilarious practical joke, that, that's one thing. But I, I really believe that there is more to this story with Jordan in terms of when you look back over his now two years there and some of the run-ins and then there's, you know, teams do recon all the time. They assistant general managers spend the entire 90 minutes before the game on the court, uh, watching other players warm up as mundane as that may sound They're, They, they, the league constantly talks to each other. You're, you're building a dossier on every player, whether they're on your team or not, whether they're going to be free agents this year, next year, or three years from now, people are going to know uh, about, about Jordan bell. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, teams are going to know that, that he comes with a bit of baggage. Oh, what, what hotel was it by the way? <laughs> the Peabody the in Peabody. Memphis. I'm going to check out the, um, the menu, the food. Well, menu. so, this was my next question. I mean, how much do you think this bill had to be to get him suspended? Like, if he had just ordered like a cheeseburger and fries, right, right. It, do, do they just say, "Hey, look, I mean, this isn't cool," or do, like, what do you have to do to actually trigger an investigation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's. Uh, I know there's been a ton of jokes on Twitter about the adult entertainment industry maybe being uh, what he did, but you in today's day and age. I, yeah, I don't even. Can't do it. Yeah, you can. He has eyes that I know. A laptop. Specifically, but... Look at Jade coming with the uh, with the coming <laughs> correct. But, but, but I mean, TV charges are direct to the room, right? That's fair. Yeah, yeah, Unless you're he was right. In my so, room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen at these at these bigger at these more upscale hotels. There's there's usually a clothier or two in there. You ah, can so you you can charge a suit or two or three. Um, you can charge a massage Ooh. depending Ooh. on where you're staying. You can do that. Joe and, and uh, Houston, not to hone in on Joe, but, uh, Tillman Fertitta, the Rockets owner as a, uh, a new hotel in Houston, you can put a Rolls Royce on your room. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so that would do it too. If all of a sudden Mike was on the hook for a, uh, a Rolls Royce. Hey, if you're not going to get paid, you might as well pay yourself. <laughs> okay and maybe right, he got look, intel that the warriors weren't gonna give him a good offer this summer that's it he's, he's just like burning the bridge on his way out he stole the fax machine basically <laughs> on his way out the injury despite not being 100% since he's been back 28 9 and 10. The other optimistic part of it is since his rookie year, first year in Miami, first year back in Cleveland, mm -hmm. and now this year with the Lakers. That's most excited. Yeah, but this year is the latest year and he's at 50,000 50, plus, plus minutes. And in the last 8 seasons he's played 11 because of the playoff runs and 
Once you get hurt, you tend to start getting hurt. Another odd moment, and Wendor alluded to it in his article the other night, where he slipped on the floor and banged his knee. Those are the types of things LeBron has been as good as any athlete I've ever seen at avoiding. At avoiding. You and I talked about this once. You asked me why he's been so good at not getting hurt. Some of it's his body. Some of it's his training. Some of it is he's been able to avoid those fracases. There is real concern. The one all-time great athlete who had never been injured got injured. And is that a trend or is an outlier? We won't know until next year. Jordan Bell, and I want to talk about LeBron because this is a podcast about the NBA. Joe, should LeBron be playing at all? I mean, he 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 stayed in LA to do rehab on this groin injury. Groin injuries are notorious for taking a long time to heal. Shouldn't they just shut him down completely? No, I don't think they should. I, I think that um, barring injury, which of course you can get hurt uh, getting out of bed in the morning. You can get hurt crossing the street. But barring injury, I think LeBron needs to play some. And I think he needs to do it from a public relations perspective uh, for him and for the franchise that he has devoted pretty much the end of his career to. LeBron has not connected with the L.A. fan in the way that he did in Cleveland, where, of course, it was easy for him to. And also in Miami, where he was immediately embraced. He just hasn't, and this is a place where he's going to be for probably the end of his through the end of his career. And the season was a, a, a wide disappointment, and he needs to do a little, I would say, trust building with uh, with the people that he's going to be working for and with, and also with the fans. And this is, comes at a time where the Lakers are increasing their season ticket packages by I think 16% or something like that. And it would just be a bad look for him and for the team if he didn't play anymore the rest of the year. So I think the Lakers are and LeBron are handling this correctly. If they're going to sit him, sit him on the road and play him at home, play him Friday night against Charlotte. And in no small part, because I mean, LeBron says he loves to play and he recognizes he's got all this mileage, but He's got to start to build some roots with with the Lakers. He's got to show to potential free agents that this is a, a place that you want to come and you want to join up with him. And if he were to just shut it down for the rest of the year, I mean, I think at some level people would understand because of who he is and, and what he's been through in his career. But he needs to make this look like a friendlier place to play and he can do that and endear himself to who are going to be his fans for the rest of his career by playing in some of these games. But well, okay, not to mention he's going to be off from mid April to October. That's the one right. thing I, I think first he's time ever. glossed over and maybe, and Joe, actually I'd be curious if you've heard anything about somebody the other day on, on a different show raised the possibility of LeBron uh, joining the national team at FIBA because he had all this extra time off, which uh, I, I thought was interesting and who the heck knows. But like, even if he did that, this is a massive hole in his schedule that, you know, for the last eight years, this was the two month marathon that it's, as you guys know, the two months of playoff basketball, there's kind of a compound interest element to that experience. I mean, those are even tougher miles than the regular season ones. And, you know, that not being on the docket, like that's plenty of rest. I, I just don't think he needs to be to be worrying about rest right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and the thing about this summer is he, he's going to lose his mind. Uh, right. He is going to be so bored 
in April and May and in June is just going to be devastating. Uh, you know, you're talking about a finals. You're talking about the biggest stage, and it's a stage that he has been been on for literally the last eight years. And now he's going to have to watch. I mean, is he going to go to the games? Is he going to go on a, an extended vacation? I, I think that the national team is is interesting, but I'm not sure that I would recommend it, right? I, I mean, because now you're starting to get closer to when the next season starts, and he needs to be faster. He needs to have more energy. He needs to be more committed when he plays with the Lakers next fall. So I'm not sure that would be the route I would take if I were him. Um, but but I think, Sam, that, that what you said is exactly right. Play now because two and a half weeks from now, you're not going to be playing for a long time. I think the one thing that gets lost in this conversation, though, um, is that he's going to be 35 in December. I mean, th- we're not talking about a guy like who's in his physical prime, you know, 27, 28 years old. I mean, he should be a little bit more conservative with his body. I would think, um, I personally, I would love to see him shut it down till Christmas day and try to play about 66 games next season, because, you know, we saw him have the first, I mean, the back injury was, was, I don't want to call it slight, but he didn't miss a lot of time with it, but he missed quite a bit of time with his groin injury is clearly affected him since he came back. And this is the first time in his, in his career that we've seen it. And he's not getting any younger. Yeah, no, that's all fair. That's all fair. I just, uh, again, he's, he's already got that built in break. Um, the other element that was on my mind, Joe relating to the international stuff, just to finish on that front was, and I was trying to make sure I was accurate on this. I mean, this will be Greg Popovich finally getting, you know, the reins on the coaching side. Plus you, you always, again, the fun part of doing deep basketball pods where we try to, to kind of go down every road is that the tournaments in China. And as you guys know, from a, a marketing standpoint, That's guys right. tend to, they tend to find more incentive to get over to China because it's such an opportunity for them and the off court stuff. Um, but you know, I just listen, and we'll talk about this for the next three, four months, but rest is not LeBron's problem right now. The roster is like, that's, that's what he's got to hope gets better. Yeah. It's the same, same conversation we've been having since last July, basically. Um, you know, how are they going to improve? How are they going to, you know, they need to trade for, if they want to get two more guys to play with LeBron. They need to trade for one and they need to sign one. And it, it sort of feels like this Brandon Ingram, you know, the, the injury issue now, Josh Hart, it, it just was reported that he had a procedure on his, his patella tendon. Um, their young guys are banged up. They don't have the value that they had a year ago. How are they going to make this trade? Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote over the weekend, over last weekend, a, a Western Conference executive talking about the Lakers not being as far away as everybody says. You know, you look at even when you look at the bottom tier of the top tier of free age, of free agents. So when you're talking about Kyrie and KD and, and on down the line, that a guy like Jimmy Butler, who's fallen off the face of the earth as far as the NBA conversation at large is concerned, he's going to be a free agent. If he comes to LA and, and partners with LeBron, well, now you're you're almost there, and you just make a little, just make a few wiser decisions in terms of who you bring in on a one-year deal to 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 play around LeBron, some catch-and-shoot guys, some specialists, and then Lonzo's healthy and and has uh, a full summer to to get better. And Ingram recovers, and now you've got a team. I mean, whatever happens with Kyle Kuzma, and whatever happens with 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 Josh Hart, 
you've got Lonzo and Ingram, LeBron, Jimmy Butler, and then, you know, players X, Y, and Z who can catch and shoot. That's, that is good enough to be, you know, upper echelon in the West. It's not, you don't, you don't have to get. Yeah. I don't don't know that it is. You look at, uh, you know, I mean, I hear they got to, the chemistry has got to click and they got to make it work. I'm not saying they would have no chance. I would, I think we learned the hard way this year that, that, you know, that that'll get you, I think that'll get you in the playoffs. I don't know. I mean, the top four um, in the West is still pretty brutal. And, you know, I, I look at Jimmy, I think next year is going to be interesting. And I, and I do think that he is <clears throat> one of the only guys on the free agency side who might be an actual possibility for the Lakers. Um, but I wonder what his game is going to look like next year. He's got a ton of miles. He's not a young dude. Um, you know, we saw LeBron battling father time this year. I think Jimmy's going to, you know, maybe be going down that road at some point. So, I mean, not that I could never see it working, but I certainly, I wouldn't be handicapping that as, as a elite team in the West. Well, and he's also a guy that needs the ball in his hands to really be effective. And we're going to talk about Jimmy Butler in a little bit, but the other part of this is what's the Lakers coaching staff going to look like? I mean, obviously, you know, we all feel like Luke Walton is probably on his way out. Um, you know, there, there've been some, some ideas and, and actually this just, just came out. Uh, Ty Lue apparently called Luke Walton to let him know he hasn't talked to the Lakers Yeah, because that story is out there now. Bill Orem, who does a great job on the Lakers, um, at the athletic had reported that, um, I'll be honest. I don't know how you see it, Joe. It's funny. I've I've resisted saying this. I, I haven't written this and this is again, the pod and the power of this platform is like you, you, know, you kind of aggregate the test audience. Yeah, baby. Don't aggregate it. But like, I listen, I'll put it, I'll just be straightforward. Whenever the Sloan conference was in Boston a few weeks ago, I was told by somebody who 100% would know that the narrative that Luke is hundred percent gone was not the case. I didn't do anything with it at the time because you feel like an idiot because the entire league says Luke is out. Right. Um, but since then, you know, from somebody close to Luke who definitely would know, was characterized to me as a coin flip. Um, do I think Luke will ultimately be out? Yeah, most likely. But you, I also, you know, try not to ignore people who are involved in these situations when they tell you stuff. Um, more importantly, what I think it illuminates is that the communication between Jeannie Buss and Magic Johnson and everybody else within the Lakers is a, a bit, I don't know how to describe it, like off the tracks or just the synergy's not there where. Um, I think some of the chatter going around the league is born out of one segment kind of comes out of one segment of the Lakers organization. And the the unanswered question is how does that reconcile with the other power players in the room? And that's why handicapping this thing has been so tricky. Well, and, and then the, we, as we saw with the whole Anthony Davis saga, the weaponization of the media, sure. I think it has played a, a huge role in this. And, you know, obviously LeBron's reputation with, with coaches and, and the way things kind of operate. We, you know, we had the whole David Blatt thing. We, we all know the stories from Miami that first year. And so Luke Walton is kind of, at least to my eyes, looked like a dead man walking all season. Like, unless he, he overperformed greatly with this roster, I didn't see a way that he was going to keep, I thought he was gone. Uh, you know, probably at the beginning of the month, I, I really thought when they went through that swoon, uh, without LeBron that, that they were going to look to make the change I mean, because it didn't really matter by that point. They were, they weren't technically out of the playoffs, but most likely they, you know, they weren't going to fight back. Um, 
Joe, I mean, Ty Lu, like, does that make sense to you with, with coming off the LeBron experience that he had? Um, you know, I, I don't want to say that to disparage LeBron, but it is a different type of coaching situation. He had all the health trouble, uh, over the course of the last two seasons in Cleveland. Um, you know, does that, does that sound, I mean, you, you probably are as plugged in on that part of it as anybody I know. Does that sound right? It, it didn't sound right. Um, and you know, <laughs> when these conversations first started happening all the way back in November about the Lakers moving on from Luke, people close to LeBron just dismissed the idea that the tie would be the guy and they weren't doing it from the standpoint that, that Ty was a bad coach or a bad guy or anything like that. It's just, that's not where their mind was now. Of course, Ty would look better because he did manage the situation, the, the way that LeBron would want a team to be managed. He did mandate that every, everything run through LeBron and set things up in a way that, uh, th that players would have to play off of him. And that is something that Luke did not do. And that is something that kind of, that LeBron recognized and realizes this season went along. When you talk about the job of coaching LeBron though, it, it was hard on Ty. He almost had to quit coaching just the, the pressure and the spotlight was, was so much. And now he's lost about 35 pounds. He looks fantastic. He works out twice a day. He's had time to clear his mind. I think he's ready for to get back into coaching and wants to. I just think, you know, when you talk about the Lakers at large, they need to have, they've talked about how they have time. They have time with LeBron. He's going to be here. He's going to be here. Well, that part is true, but his window is closing. And there has to be some kind of urgency to this. I mean, LeBron is going to be 35. And so I don't think they have time to wait and see if Luke turns out to be a, a great coach. That's That stinks for, for Luke. If you have an opportunity to get someone elite like Rick Carlisle or, or somebody who LeBron respects to no end like Jason Kidd or someone who has won a championship as a head coach with LeBron – like Ty, I think that's something that they not only have to consider, but are considering. I mean, it's, it's no secret that magic is one foot in and one foot out on Luke at, at best. So, I mean, that's where the speculation ultimately comes from. And then you, you throw in like kind of the, the whisper campaign or around, not from LeBron himself, but around him about Luke and, and his future there. And that's, that's where this originates. And surely there is, um, there is some, some fire where there is smoke. I'd like to point out a podcast first. You're the first person to go on muscle watch for a coach. That's, <laughs> that's really impressive. I can't wait for all the Ty Lue stories, best shape of his life, looking really good. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, guys, follow me here on this thought exercise. Let's assume Luke Walton is out and I don't like to necessarily speculate that he is going to be out, but you know, this is the reality that we live in. If it's not Ty Lue, who is it? I mean, Sam, do you yeah. think the Jason Kidd stuff? I mean, he's openly campaigning for this job, uh, reportedly holding off on accepting a job at Cal because he thinks the Lakers job might come his way. I mean, do you put any stock in that rumor? I, I mean, first of all, I, I think honestly, it's it's kind of this. I don't know. This word might be a little over the top. It's kind of no. gross how Jason is. Yeah. Is, is, is going for the job. Um, it reminds me of George Carl took a lot of hits within the coaching industry before he can became the Kings coach. Uh, coaches don't like it 
when you dance on their graves. And I think it's a bad look for Jason to go on ESPN, make the rounds, um, be so obvious about what he is doing here. Um, I also, you know, listen, we all talk to people, you know, and, and sometimes they say different things. I noticed, you know, the other day, Stephen A had, had uh, said on one of the ESPN platforms that his understanding was that Jason would not ever be the coach. And, and again, to hit the rewind button, button and kind of hit back on that genie magic component. Um, you know, I get the sense that that is kind of the messaging from the ownership side. So then the question becomes like, it's funny. There's some people in the media and the fans who are calling on Jeannie to take control of the situation and, and, and almost do what she did when she fired her brother and Mitch Kupchak and do what she thinks is right for the organization. And there's nothing wrong with that viewpoint. I also find it ironic because most of the time we criticize owners for not letting the people who they hired do their jobs. And that's where she's in a tricky spot is because if she's going to let magic do his job, then we probably all know where this is going. <clears throat> if not, then, you know, maybe, and that would probably be a Jason Kidd type guy. And then if not, you know, I don't know what the answer is. Um, the Ty Lu thing, I mean, I'm with you 100% uh, on the idea that it would have to be a big name. Like Rick Carlisle, he'd be fantastic, but he's got a long-term deal in Dallas that got reworked last summer, I believe. I think, you know, yeah. that's been reported. Um, so I don't know who that guy's going to be. And in the absence of that, teams do this all the time, man. They just they let this train go down the track when it comes to the noise about their coach being in trouble. They don't bother to slow it down and at least figure out, you know, which train you're going to put on there when that one's gone. Um, you know, maybe there's certainly stuff that that is happening that we're not aware of. That's always the case. But uh, but I'm curious to see who that might be if it happens. Joe, I have a wild name for you. Are you ready? I am. OK, they're going to fly him. Back from Montana, would Phil Jackson? Oh, good lord! Could we get Phil Jackson to come back and coach this Lakers team? <laughs> I would say it would be almost as likely that the Lakers would fly David Blatt back to the United States <laughs> as Phil Jackson. I mean, Did you're talking about the posse comment. <laughs> I would say, yeah, I think that'd be a place to start. <laughs> there is no love lost between them. And I mean, really, Phil Jackson cost the Knicks any other chance they had at getting LeBron. Yeah. Um, uh, the, I mean, that for, for as much cachet as, as Phil has in Lakerland, that's just, that one's not happening. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't have, I think Ty Lue would be a great option. Uh, speaking of a guy who was like underrated as a coach. I mean, he's a very good coach. His game to game adjustments during the playoffs were fantastic. Um, it's just that that part of him just coming back into that sort of LeBron orbit, um, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, speaking of a guy who is in the LeBron orbit, um, his best friend, Dwayne Wade, this is it. This is the last dance. Um, Sam, it would be really, really sad if the heat missed the playoffs and he kind of goes out, you know, I, I don't want to say as a loser because clearly he's one at life, but uh, go, to go out in the regular season without one last swing at the playoffs. I agree that the delayed reaction is uh cheating with the mute button, trying to pull up D Wade's game log. Cause I know we talked off air about how well he's been playing. I mean, it would be sad. It would be fun to see him. I mean, God bless the 
East playoffs where you can get in under 500, which they, they might end up doing. Um, but independent of that, seeing him on that stage would be a, a lot of fun, you know, and even if it was a, a impossible matchup like Milwaukee or whoever else they ended up facing, um, it has been neat to see D Wade do his thing. It's also been fascinating to see like the stark contrast between Dwayne and Dirk, you know, Dirk, first of all, won't actually come out and say that he's done, but then everybody's going, Oh God, I hope he's done. You know, like we love you, but he's, he just, he's not moving very well. He's it's the exact inverse of, of D Wade. I mean, Dwayne um, is an incredible story. I enjoyed, you know, the piece that he, that he talked recently about wanting to retire. I think it was Dan Wookie of the LA times had a good piece about, you know, the fact that back in those championship years, we knew he was dealing with knee pain, but there was a, a large chunk of his career where this dude at his, the peak of his prime with championships on the line, he thought about hanging them up because it was so painful. So to go from that to this, to at least enjoy the game. I mean, I, that is why I can understand why he would think about walking away when he still has game left. Cause he's, he's already kind of, you know, kind of look, look down that road when it comes to what it feels like and looks like when the game leaves you. Um, you know, I, I know Dave, you feel like you wish he'd keep playing. I do. I, He's so I much know. fun, man. He is. But I mean, and the fun will come to an end again. I yeah. have, I have statistical evidence here though. Um, you look at his per 36 numbers and Joe, you know, firsthand what it's like when Dwayne Wade, you know, Cleveland Cavalier legend, Dwayne Wade uh, <laughs> is cooking because he had a couple of games there. Um, Per 36, this is the highest scoring average that he's had since uh, that year in, in Chicago. His shooting percentage is the highest it's been in years. Uh, his three-point percentage, I mean, 33%. This is a guy who for his career is at 29%. So clearly, like, he still has game. Um, and I know that he said he wants to go out on his own terms, but Joe, come on. Can't we have one last, one last dance? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's gratifying to him to be able to leave the game knowing, knowing that he still could play and for him to just be able to tell it, I I'm done with you. I, I think that, that very few athletes get a chance to do that. It'll be interesting to see how much he misses it next year and the, and the year after when he's got nothing to do, but, but tend to his wine or, 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 um, you know, jet set on vacation and, and what have you. I, I hope the heat for, for his sake, make the playoffs and for the fans sake, it'll be great to watch him in that, in, in that atmosphere one last time, you know, they, they would be, if they make it, they'll be playing the bucks, the Milwaukee, appears to be the East juggernaut, you know, there are full four games ahead of, of Toronto. And so you would expect that the heat would be taken care of in, in fairly, in fairly short order. I just, you know, when you talk about LeBron and you talk about Dwayne and we're looking at how LeBron's just not moving the same and he, he, we, we just, we wonder. And then one year ago he was, he was probably the best player in the league and, and played all 104 games and made the Cavs like gave him a puncher's chance early in the finals just by being out there. So like, how can you go from that to being whatever some people are, are speculating he is now. And I, I look at Dwayne, he played well in the playoffs for the heat last year and was the, was a piece the Cavs were missing once they traded him. And they got to the finals. So it was insane. Uh, they had him for the express purposes of this. 
And so one year later, it does make sense to me that he is still a guy that that can be counted on. And I think that he is. Yeah, he, he's fully rounded out his old man game. Um, I saw him up close when they were in, in San Antonio. And uh, I mean, he was literally pump faking guys out of their shoes, double, triple pump fake. I mean, you can tell, I mean, he's not the athlete that he was, no. but he has the smarts and it's just fun to watch. I, I, I mean, you know, I'm just selfish about it. I want all these guys to just keep playing forever, but in their prime and, you know, clearly why are you trying uh, to, to keep the weight away from the big three, Dave, Come oh, on. No. <laughs> by the way, I mean, if look, if we have Carmelo and Dwayne Wade playing in the big three next year, I'm getting season tickets. I'm just going to follow them around. That, and that's going to be my do, plan. Are there any arenas that are by bodies of water in the same way that the heat arena oh my is? Gosh. Cause you need, then you like the pregame introduction is actually on a physical banana boat and, and they come in. <laughs> <That'd be amazing. laughs> I, you know, somebody brought up, how come no one's given him a banana boat banana on this boat. retirement? That's a right? good podcast name. The banana boat. <laughs> the banana boat. <laughs> we, speaking, speaking of which, we need a name for the the Sam and Joe show. Um, the banana you know, boat. The I think Sam the banana boat. Uh, my favorite one originally was uh, from A to V, which is a play on Sam's uh-huh. old pod. Yeah, that's, I mean, I love our old crowd, but I just feel like it's a it, that's a niche audience. It was a Plus, it's un- I know. it's unfulfilling. With all due respect to Joe, like, why are we not covering the league to Z? Why we gotta stop it? Like, it's just the OCD in me is is kicking in. I, I think we gotta we gotta come up with something original, Jay. Uh, now, if you do have a suggestion, please tweet me. Tea time. Tweet me. Tea time. Um, Tea time. Let's see. I, I had. I did. I did. I did did and uh, asked some of my friends, including Zach Harper. Zach wrote, from off the top of my head, he goes, the dotted line, this one I like, collective bantering agreement. That's a good one. Uh, the Sam and Joe show. <laughs> behind the screen. That sounds like Ren and Stimpy. Behind the screens. What do you think of that before? Uh, you know, basketball analogies. I do like that, though. <laughs> and the negotiation right. table. And uh, what we do in the shadows. But that's a TV show now and a movie. Also, also off the record. I like first off the record. I know I'm, I'm this doesn't matter all that much. That has been used. But also yep. that like like, you know, we got to off the records, off the record. We can't breach. That's that right. Off it the, would be on the record. I know. Like it's, on you're background. Right, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, the basketball background. Pod. Uh, the A.B. Joe, what do you got here? The ABP Athletic oh, Basketball Podcast. <laughs> well, no, that, no, that was the a, a run on. Oh, so it'd be the Athletic Basketball Pod. You're going straight yeah. generic, yeah. which tested well in your focus group. It, it did. What is this focus group, by the way? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> My kids. These are These are dudes I grew up with. All athletic subscribers mm-hmm. uh, love basketball. Um, all played basketball in high school, and podcast listeners just the, like they are precisely basically who we're trying to reach. And they're all funny. They're all a lot funnier than I am. And so they've been. So, so they are a group that I can take names that I've thought of or that you guys have thought of, and bounce them off them. And then they're the same. They've. I've got a whole text chain with with their ideas. And some of them we can repeat, some of them we can't. Um, you know, we're behind the paywall. 
the 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 what you call it uh, and and the, the old Winhurst show. If you remember, Brian used to always say, "It's Tuesday. We talk about basketball." <laughs> it was such a slight. <laughs> but here's the idea for people that will submit to me. The idea is, you know, getting into the to the, the the agents, the GM talk, you know, what's going on behind this, you know, in this incredibly vast world of the NBA. So that's kind of the, the, the you know, the angle at which we're kind of uh, trying to come up with. Maybe we'll never come up with a title, guys. The Untitled Podcast. Can I tell the shoe story without getting fired? I what shoe can't story? guarantee it, but go ahead. The, the with the influencers. Oh right, the uh, the influencers too, which is one oh, of my okay. favorites. <laughs> the the problem is no one would get the joke, right? They they would we're introducing ourselves for the first time. Here's this podcast, and we're saying we're the influencers. Yeah, like they, they wouldn't get that. They, yeah, without getting first getting the chance to really get to listen to us and get to know us and know that we don't mean that. That that's that's probably why it doesn't work. So. Over All Star Weekend, as as every as people know or don't know, there are pop up shops with all kinds of apparel companies, just far and wide. And and there was one down there in Charlotte that was uh, stationed in between where we were all staying at the ho- uh, for for the media hotel and where Steph Curry had an event. And it wasn't Under Armour, I can tell you that. And so on our way back, there were a few riders whose names I won't use and I. We stopped at this place. They were setting up their their stuff, which is just, you know, walls and walls of, of shoes and shirts and gear and, and all that. And they're getting ready to, to put it out. So we stop and we say, hey, uh, you'd invite us, invited us to come take a look on our way to work and we didn't have time and, and now we do and so we'd like to to take you up on it, and the security guards were looking at it's funny, and so they went and got got somebody in charge, and this person comes out and says, "So what is this now?" And so we repeat it, and they still didn't have anything to say, and so finally the 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 person in charge says, "Oh, are are you influencers?" And I'm like, "Yes, that's exactly it. We are influencers. Let us in." Oh yeah 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 sure sure sure. So we go in, we go into the pop-up shop and we go upstairs and there's a party going on basically. It's uh it's in a in an old warehouse and and the lights are low and and there's music blaring and there's this whole wall of shoes. You're supposed to go and you and you tell them your size and you try them on. So we go and and we hear that you're just supposed to try them on. They, that if you if you want to purchase them, you go to a different place within the the warehouse and and whatever. So so we try on the shoes, they fit. We we put them back on the desk and we we wait a few minutes and and then so finally we kind of lean over the counter and, and talk to the guy who's handing out the shoes and say, now, what, what's the deal with these? And uh, he's like, oh, you know, you got to you try them on here. But if you want them, want a pair, you got to go to this other place. I just said, oh, well, the problem is we're influencers. The guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give me five minutes. And within five minutes, we were handed the shoes in a leather bag and, and we walked out. And so, you know, we're influencers, uh, at least on that day. But. I'm not sure that you know the audience would get that. Can you get me uh, some shoes? You got to roll with me. You got to roll with me. <laughs> I've done that before. Hey, you, you haven't been sent shoes. I've, yet? I've done that. I've I've been to those uh, all star things. I usually get the shoes and give them away. You know, it's like have we would worn say the in shoes, Joe. Uh, I have the nice shoes. Um, okay. They are, are nice. Uh, it's like you know we would say in politics if you can't if you can't take their money and drink their liquor and then vote against them. You're in the wrong business. 
They gave you booze too? <laughs> no, no, no. That's going to be another fun pod for down the road. Maybe with Dave or, or when we get on the, the unnamed pod is, is, uh, is Joe's political background. Oh, that yeah. Good. Really? Definitely. Really? You know, I was, I was, uh, DMing, um, yesterday with, with Dan Pfeiffer, who is, was Obama's communications director at the white house and worked on his campaigns. And he's got a, an amazing, amazing podcast now, um, with some other, with some, some other, uh, Obama elites. And I just texted him to let him know that we were doing this, uh, that this existed. He's a huge basketball fan and athletic subscriber. So, so I don't know, if, maybe- uh, Mr. Obama would like to join us. You make sure. Yeah, I'd love to talk to Barack Obama about basketball. That's right. So that's cool. (laughs) I have tried to hit him on Twitter. I actually tried to get a pickup game going uh, with him at Sloan last year, you know, but I never got a response. Um, We tried to get him on the A to Z pod. Well, this is why I need the influencers. (laughs) <laughs> to help me out with That's, this. If we get will, will if, if we get President Obama, then we have the the green light to call ourselves the influencers. That's right. I mean, I mean, if if you think about how he digests sports and what would interest him, I yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all that, that he is an athletic subscriber. But we that's oh, yeah. like you need to find that out basically. Right, hundred yeah, percent. Does he listen to Nerder? She wrote though. That's the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> questions. Dave, questions. did you go? Uh, were you at Sloan last year? No, but I was gonna go if Barack Obama was gonna play pickup basketball with me. Yes, well, naturally, right. I yeah. I was there. It was it was a, a fun little highlight. I was in the room when he gave an off the record speech to the room of basketball Dorkapalooza faithful. It's funny. I learned the hard way, and and this Joe, you you came from the political side. So I, I, you wouldn't have made this mistake. I, uh, I wanted to get a good seat to listen to the, the president talk. And so I left my bag in the room far in advance, three hours in oh, advance no. to reserve my seat. And like an idiot, you know, <laughs> you can't leave empty bags in the room. where nope. the president. <laughs> so they blew, blew up your bag out on the street. They did not. Thankfully they didn't blow it up. I, I tracked it down. It had certainly been relocated. But uh, I, I love the idea that they would take one of the robots, like the MIT robots, and <laughs> drive it in there and grab your backpack. <laughs> All of those athletic was, stories. You know, what are these basketball shoes doing here? Right. <laughs> I was once um, basically given a three-minute one-on-one with the president's wife, Michelle. And this was done by her staff. His staff said, yes, we know what you want. That's go talk to her. Uh, go talk. Just go up and talk to her. And so I was only doing what I was told to do. And within four nanoseconds of taking steps toward the first lady, a Secret Service agent who looked like Bull from uh, Night Court was in my <laughs> face, up me, up, almost up against the wall. Like, what in the world are you doing? And and thank goodness that her staff had sprinted over upon seeing this to tell him that this was okay. And this was all to ask her. Um, she had, she had said some things about doing the Dougie. And so I needed to get this. I needed to get quotes from her, uh, for color for a piece I was working on. And so there you have it. Hard hitting political journalism. (laughs) Well, that is a great place to wrap the show up for this week. Uh, man, this was fun guys. I'm, I'm glad we uh, got a chance to do it. Um, don't forget, we will be back next week, next Tuesday with Basketball Buds. You still got time to sign up at theathletic.com slash dings and save 40% before we go over 
to the uh, to the athletic full time April 8th. Go to theathletic.com slash dings. Uh, Sam, Joe, thank you guys for, for coming on the show. This was a lot of fun. We're going to do it again next week, I believe. I'm in. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jade. And, uh, welcome. and Jade, thank you as always for producing the show. Did a good job this week. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk to you guys all again later. All right. Thank you, boys. All right, fellas. Thank you. That was good. Thank you.